0: Welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church. It is good to be here with all of you to worship together. And Sam, may I ask, do we have anyone attending via Zoom at this point? Great. And a particular welcome to those of you on Zoom who are with us uh, virtually. I'm Sarah McDonald, and I will be leading the worship today. I want to start um, by thanking... Several people who are also contributing uh, to our worship service, Connie and Lori leading us in the singing. Uh, Rachel, thank you for preparing the reflection. Sam, thank you for handling the the tech piece. As you'll see from the brief orders of worship that I printed out, we had planned today to include in the service a time of welcome and welcome back for Eric Stolpe and Sam Stolpe. Unfortunately, Eric is ill today, so that piece uh, we are going to postpone to another week. However, I decided um, it would still be appropriate um, to have at the front of the church uh, some visual reminders of who we are as a church family. So there's both the covenant tree for Milwaukee Mennonite Church that was painted by Matthew Bailey. Um, and then also this smaller piece here is from Central District Conference, uh, the, representing the theme of, of this past year, Tending Transformation. Uh, these go very well with the theme the focus of our service today, uh, which is on the image of vine and branches uh, from part of Jesus' farewell discourse in John 15. We are continuing our series focus on peace with God, so today we'll be thinking particularly about how abiding in Jesus brings peace. Please join me in the call to worship, which is printed in your bulletins, I will read the part marked one and ask you to respond reading the parts that are marked many. We have come to meditate on the word of God.
1: That then we might be like trees planted by streams of water.
0: We have come to listen to the words of Jesus.
1: That then we might be branches abiding in the true mind.
0: As we draw near to God, and to each other, may the Spirit bring us healing, hope, and peace.
2: Our first song is 203. Oh God, Our Help of Ages Past. I think about this, this, this history, that rock, and when we think about the part of the tree, I imagine uh, roots, you know, something that kind of keeps us anchored, that history, that faithfulness of God. 203. Number 56, like the murmur of the dove song. And let's stand for this one.
3: The reading today is from John's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that my Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another.
4: One day when my son John was four, he and I went to the park. On our walk back home, he said to me, those kids were being mean to me at the park. How are they being mean, I asked. Were they saying things that felt mean or touching or hitting you in a mean way? No, none of those things, he said. It's just that I wanted to play with them and I talked to them and they didn't notice. It felt mean to not be noticed. I stopped and I looked him in the eye and I said, it doesn't feel good to not be noticed. John, I notice you, and I always will. And he grinned. That story came into my head today as I was thinking about our scripture for day, today in this sermon. Because I think being noticed by God is one of the themes here. But first, I wanted to set the stage a bit because I think the context helps us understand it better. This scripture that we just heard read is one of a series of goodbyes that Jesus gives to his disciples. Jesus is in the room with his disciples on the night he will be betrayed before his execution the next day. He has just washed the disciples' feet. He has predicted his betrayal. He has reassured the disciples and promised them the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then comes this reading. In the first part of our scripture, Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing." This simple metaphor, Jesus as the vine and us as the branches, as I kept thinking about it, got more and more complicated and confusing. It's easy for us humans to think of ourselves as individuals, as people who can do things on our own merit without the need for support or help. And it's even easy for Christians to believe this, particularly in our society, where individualism and pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps is written into the narrative of our country. Jesus here is reminding us that our fruit is not actually ours. It comes only from our connection and openness to him as the vine, which nourishes and gives us life. We connect to Jesus and channel his love into the world, which comes out as fruit. We can't bear fruit alone. Jesus tells us what happens if we disconnect from him in verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, I have heard that verse read as a punishment. You better follow Jesus or into the fire you go. But I don't really think that's what Jesus was all about. Instead, Jesus is reminding the disciples, reminding us, that the most important thing we can do is to continually return to our connection to him. Being disconnected from Jesus takes away our ability to channel his love and to show that love to the world. We can't do it on our own. We need Jesus. And so if we disconnect, we wither and shrivel and can't bear fruit. It's not condemnation, it's just a statement of facts. In Jesus' view, there shouldn't be any self-made Christians. Our individualism must take second place to the interconnected community, connected to Jesus and growing towards God. Jesus also says, abide in me as I abide in you. And the word abide is translated differently depending on the version of the Bible you read. I think you used the NRSV just just when you read it just now. It's abide, and in the NIV it's translated as remain. Remain as me as I remain in you. For me, that doesn't really mean the same thing. Remain, to me, feels like to stay put, to rest, to be left behind. But abide, a word that we don't use very much, means, for me, to live, to set up camp, to spread out, and to be present in a place. And that's an exciting thing. Jesus lives in us. Jesus has set up camp in us. Jesus is spreading out to our whole being and infuses us with his love. We are rooted in Jesus' love, surrounded by the love of God, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. There's nothing we can do that's bad enough that Jesus will be separated from us. Jesus has already chosen us, already notices us, already abides in us. And because Jesus has already chosen us, he wants us to choose him too, to stay actively connected to him, to choose his ways of love. When we have the confidence that Jesus' love will never leave us, our only job is to show that love to others. It's not to meet a quota of how much fruit we bear. It's just to channel the love that we receive from the one true vine and push it out into the world. It's to live our whole life through the lens of Jesus and his teachings. I'm going to share a story of one of the best compliments I ever received. Just going to say that up front. And I'm sharing this not because I want you to think I'm awesome, but because I think it reflects how even very small things that we do with the love of Jesus can make a difference. It was my second month in medical school. I was thick in the doubts of, can I do this, both at home with trying to navigate a brand new marriage and at school, absorbing a semester's worth of biochemistry in two weeks. It felt like drinking from a fire hose. But the time that I spent with my classmates was really good, and we bonded quickly. We had conversations about all kinds of things as we met in our small groups, and I found myself in honest discussions with people from all faith backgrounds. After this kind of conversation with one of my classmates, who was an atheist, my friend overheard him talking with another classmate. Wow, he said, before I met Rachel, I didn't know Christians could be open and kind. I've kept that compliment in my heart and pulled it out when I needed a reminder to reconnect to Jesus. Because I think the whole point of what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples here is exactly what I somehow managed to do on that one day more than 20 years ago. I bet you have your own stories of this kind of interaction. Pull them out when you need to remember to be open, to be kind, to be connected, to love one another. Because right after this talk about vines and branches, Jesus reminds us what is the most important thing, starting with verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus says that if we love each other like he has loved us, if we channel the love of Jesus flowing through our branches and push it out into the world, if we model our life after him and his words and deeds, then we are his friends. Now, sometimes I think that calling Jesus friend can feel a little trivial, like it's not quite enough. Like, it might feel too informal or too childish or not respectful enough, but friendship is a choice a deep, abiding connection. And we should not belittle the connections that we have with our chosen human friends or the friendship that Jesus extends to us. Jesus is the all-powerful, almighty God who created the universe out of nothing, knows the number of atoms in our bodies, and imagined how to make armadillos and turkeys and Venus flytraps. And he's human, and he was executed by the empire and was homeless, and he walked on water. And he calls us friend. The God of the universe chose to come to earth as a human and chose us. Jesus, God incarnate, calls us friend. It's revolutionary. As Diana Butler Bass says more eloquently than I could, Jesus brought the disciples to the very heart of God and then revealed that God's heart longed for friendship. And now Jesus is saying, I have called you friends, not just to special people of the past whose names were recorded in sacred memory, but to the ragged fishermen and curious women sitting around him, listening to his tales, trusting for the first time that the God of Israel had not forgotten them, souls broken under the weight of Roman oppression, suffering under imperial slavery. They were not slaves, not even servants. They were friends of Jesus, friends of God, end quote. And remember, Jesus was giving them this message knowing that one will betray him, one will deny him, many will be frightened, and only a few will show up at the very end. He knows this, and he loves them anyway. When I hear this story, I immediately think, wow, Jesus loved his disciples and chose them and wanted them to follow him, even though he knew they wouldn't be perfect followers. I believe it. But when I shift that to me, that Jesus loves me that much, that Jesus is always choosing me and loves me with that same intensity, well, that's sometimes a little more challenging for me to believe. Because if Jesus knew what I was really like, if Jesus knew that I'm always judging people, or that sometimes I like material things more than I should, or that I'm greedy and short-tempered and lazy and often frustrated. If Jesus knew these things about me, then maybe he wouldn't feel the same way anymore. Have you ever thought that? I think it's easy for us to question Jesus' dedication to us because the only version of friendship that we've seen is in human friendship and humans aren't always loyal. I've had friends who I I thought were lifelong who suddenly ghosted me and disappeared from my life with no explanation. It's felt a little bit like a death. I needed to mourn and wonder, and it left me a little bit less likely to fully commit. And I know that some of us have experienced the pain of friends turning on you or laughing behind your back or being disloyal in other ways. It's really hard. Jesus is not that kind of friend. Jesus is like the friend you call when you're hurt and you need a cry. Jesus is like the friend with whom you laugh until tears roll down your cheeks. Jesus is the person who organizes setting up meals for a family with a new baby. Jesus is a neighbor just stopping by to check in. And forgive me if this sounds sacrilegious, Jesus is like the absolute best kind of dog who is always excited when you come home and is content just laying beside you on the couch while you watch a movie. Jesus is all of these things, and he's better. Jesus has chosen us, us, each one of us, each one of us with all our faults and frustrations and dark corners, each one of us has been chosen by Jesus. I imagine Jesus talking to this ragtag bunch, huddled in a room, Not fully understanding the import of what is coming next. I imagine him looking at them with such love, such overwhelming love. And I imagine him saying, I chose you. I notice you. You are here with me. Now is not the time to wonder if you should be here, or if you're good enough to be here, or if I really meant to call you here. You are here, you have been chosen. I have promised you that I will always be with you." He knows that the disciples, that he knows that we, are unfaithful, unsure, confused, and he loves us anyway. We've been chosen to be Jesus' friends. He is always choosing us again and again and again, no matter how much we might feel that he is really doesn't mean us, he might mean someone else. And we don't get a say in it. We're already chosen. What we can do, though, is choose Jesus back. Jesus will always be there, abiding in us, being fully present, calling us back to him. But we get to choose him, too. What might it look like to choose Jesus more fully? In what way can we open ourselves to Jesus' friendship? What life do we need to feel coursing through our vines so that we can show Jesus' love more fully to others? How do we need to turn to Jesus and accept that he truly loves us exactly as we are. Because, friends, this is the message that he's speaking not to just this group 2,000 years ago. He's speaking it to us. You are here with me, people of Milwaukee Mennonite. Now isn't the time to wonder, Rachel, if you're doing a good enough job of interpreting my words and giving a sermon. It's okay, Sarah, if you've forgotten something during this service. Don't worry, Connie, if you miss a note... Milwaukee Mennonite, I meant to choose each one of you. I meant to call you here. I meant to abide with you. And I will always be with you, no matter what you decide. But I want you to decide to abide with me too. I want you to bear my love to everyone you meet. I have noticed you. I will always notice you. You are my friends. And I promise that I will never leave you. Amen.
2: Thanks, Rachel. Sarah, thanks for picking this song next. uh, 598, More Than You Know. Um, Connie wrote this. And I mean, talk about being noticed. 598, more than you know, more than you know, God's love is with you. More than you know, God cares for you. And more than you know, God's love is in you, walking with you, holding you, living with you. We'll sing it twice.
0: Let's sing 722. Indeed, one of the beautiful things about congregational prayer is that we are drawing nearer to each other as we are also drawing nearer to God. Please join me in prayer. Gracious God, we appreciate this service and the many ways that you have been reminding us through this time together of your deep love for us, of how you have chosen us, and you notice us even before we turn to you. But you do also call us to turn to you And so we do that now, Lord, lifting up ourselves and each other in prayer. God, all of us need your help to thrive, to notice each other, to be community well together. Bless Milwaukee Mennonite Church as we seek to follow you, to love our neighbors, and to be reconciled and a channel of reconciliation and peace in the world. May your love, your openness, and your kindness Indeed, be shown through us as we abide in you. We lift up all of these prayers in your most precious and powerful name. Amen. Please remain standing for this benediction. May our gardener God watch over you and your loved ones in the week ahead. May you feel yourself rooted and abiding in the deep love of Jesus. And may you continue to grow in the fruits of the Spirit.